This weekend, the French Alps were alive with the sound of chainsaws, the smoke of red, white and blue flares and some incredible racing. So this is your Maxxis Tyres post-race show from Leger with Nico Mullally and Ollie Morris. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It is no surprise then that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you, with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. For me, on the enduro bike, I've got a DHR2 Max Terra double down on the rear, and I pair that up with the Asagai Max Grip up front in the slightly lighter XO Plus casing. On my downhill bike, I've got DHR2s front and rear, both DH casing, and both with their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both of those setups are great for me, but check out the range and see what's good for you. You can check out the entire range of Maxxis tyres over at maxxis.com and find the tyres at your local Maxxis dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Maxxis Bike. All right, it's time to catch up with Nico Malali and Ollie Morris to delve into the details of what went on this weekend. Just how difficult were those track conditions? What does it feel like to be charged by thousands of mountain bike fans? Has Max Commensal's hangover worn off yet? And plenty more. So without further ado, here's your Max's Tyres post-race show for the 2023 Leger World Cup. All right, we are back uh, after an insane weekend in Leger. Once again, it provided uh, some colourful scenes that we'll be talking about uh, in this chat. We're joined again by Ollie Morris and Nico Malali to chat all about it. Um, myself and Ollie were on site this week. Nico's been back in the US watching from afar, so we've had an on site experience and a, a TV product experience to chat about. First off, Ollie, let's start on the track. Um, Always a great track in Leger. They always deliver, but they made sort of some very small um, but very effective changes to the track, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the track that we, the fundamental track that we've had for the past three years now. So, um, yeah, you definitely noticed that on track walk because track walk was a lot quicker than I remember from two years ago when we uh, literally would walk about sort of 10 yards and then stop again and be scratching our heads again kind of thing so it's definitely a quicker track walk because the general vibe of the track was the same um but that's that's absolutely no complaints at all the uh the like you say it had a few tweaks in it that got you thinking and uh and it doesn't take too many tweaks in a track to make you realize that uh or should i say to make you have to change something for the next section so if there was a slightly different change in a section maybe the section before although being the same has to slightly change and maybe the section after has to slightly change so um few tweaks makes uh makes good uh sort of something else to think about and obviously makes good viewing definitely did and um where were the biggest puzzles over the weekend then because they did there was certainly early on anyway quite a lot of line choice and also given how dry it was all week and in the run-up like lines were were getting blown out corners were almost getting destroyed there was there was definitely a lot to look at i think yeah so uh, the top set or sector two effectively probably had the biggest change um because you had the big uh uh, road gap at the top which was causing some some massive issues and big crashes in previous years so that road gap now went straight and then Cape brought you into the next sort of section slightly different so up there was definitely making a stink there was a few different um, line options into a right hander and then another few options into a left um, so yeah because it was quite open I have to say I probably spent quite a lot of time up there um, helping the riders 
After that, then you've got uh, where you go in after the um, after the lake. And and to be fair, actually, although that was it was quite an important section in terms of how the riders rode it, it was very quickly formed into kind of one line there. There was a slight different tweak around a tree, uh, which I think some of the women were taking. Um, but yeah, definitely formed fairly one line there. And I think because it was, I think that happened because it was so loose you know it was it, it's kind of similar to if it's really wet if any extreme conditions uh riders form into one line it's very loose around the track so um that was kind of, that kind of went into one line um and again then the next steep bit where there was kind of gap in it um which i thought everyone was going to be doing although it looked crazy on camera it looked nothing standard route but um uh to look to, to see it from the takeoff it looked horrendous and mainly because of the run-up to be fair um, but only a couple of people did it in practice. I think one person did it in semi-finals, and I think if I'm right, you may have to remind me. But I don't think anyone did it in finals. Um, but again, in there wasn't a lot of line choice. There were some slight tweaks on sort of an inside or an outside as you entered the section, um, and and again as you were coming out of the section, there was this this original sort of inside line um, or outside. Um, so yeah, it was small changes in there. And again, that was probably the theme as you went down. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't these major, major um, line differences, but there was just these small changes in whether you'd sort of come in slightly more inside, come in slightly more outside. And again, with how you'd exit because of it. Yeah. Nika, you've ridden this track in sort of similar conditions last year. It was very dry uh, for Worlds. Tire choice, I think, is uh, an interesting one. We definitely saw some people running like, more intermediate condition kind of tires like the maxi shorties were out on a few people's bikes so that's one thing they're dealing with and also i heard from a few riders that visibility was pretty tricky there's a lot of bright sunlight kind of getting dappled through the trees and then just a huge amount of dust uh, getting kicked up on the hill what's it what's it like to ride and work in those kind of conditions that are ever changing and ever degrading yeah it's tough there's there's definitely multiple options that work um Leger, you think of it for the, the main gnarlier sections that are all pretty steep and have big compressions, gnarlier stuff, um, some, somewhat like Val de Sol feeling without the rocks, um, big pine roots. Um, so you want to kind of set your bike up for those sections that are somewhat uncomfortable as a rider to push in. But then there are a lot of sections that are pretty flat where rolling speed is a consideration. There's like the first 20 seconds of the track. Then there's the spot when you pass the lake. Then there's a little jump line, maybe a little more than halfway. And then there's the last section of the finish where there's a ton of rolling speed. I think we saw mainly because there was more cameras down there and we could see everyone's run, a lot of changes even in that final sector. So as tempting as it is to set your bike up for the steeper sections, there's a lot of other things to consider too when maybe then um, a faster rolling tire comes into play or, um, yeah, just a setup that favors that. So it's a tough balance to strike. Um, and and especially when it's that loose and dusty, it's like uh, it's it's tough to get grip. There's a lot of hard pack sections. And as you said, with the with the light too, now they've, um, they've even cut down more trees on the track. So it's probably half out in the open and half in the woods and – even when you are in the woods, this, the light is spotty, as you mentioned. So it's tough to go that fast and tell the difference between a hole, soft dirt, hard pack, a root. Uh, 
and your eyes catch up with with how quickly you're transitioning so um it's, it's things all, all those challenges are something that every rider is dealing with so it's a it's an even playing field but it's a it's one of the toughest tracks for sure but as well one of the most fun to ride and one of the favorites i'd say from every rider yeah there was a real buzz uh from the riders and uh i bumped into some guy called elliot jackson you used to know that guy <laughs> he used to know that guy <laughs> he uh he was saying that um he thought it was the most difficult track um for quite some time which which says a lot uh, obviously elliot knows uh knows these things inside out and ollie there was another kind of challenge i guess thrown at the riders in that practice certainly up until qualifying anyway when there was a lot of riders trying to get up the hill um it was kind of limited just due to the fact that it does take a very long time to get to the top of the hill on that slow second chairlift here it's kind of unique to this venue and it did limit people to kind of maybe only getting three practice runs a session in which doesn't make life easy when you're trying to get up to pace yeah it did and and mainly that was the problem was predominantly on day one um uh, on day one of practice you have um like everyone's still involved if you know what I mean so there's been no qualification to cut people out you've got all the juniors still involved on that day as well um and um there was a couple of things that I think maybe in terms of how it worked so one is there was there was the practice sessions one would stop and the next one would start straight away so at the last half an hour of say group b practice session group a riders would still be going up and the last few uh, group B riders are still be going up so you just have this huge amount of riders going up and it and it really cost people on one of the practice sessions I think they were lucky to get two runs even in that session uh, I think as well it might have been on yeah it was on day one they weren't allowing people just to sort of come in and start their practice at the lake they were saying every run had to start from the top um, which they did change that on the second day of practice. Um, uh, but, but so, it, so it allowed a little bit more freedom. But yeah, it's definitely a challenge for the riders. And I think one is the less amount, amount of runs. But as well, these riders are quite used to doing a run, coming back, sitting down, having a look at GoPros, you know, having some rest, making sure they refuel in any way they need. You know, they're used to that, whereas it was a little bit more like as we probably know, British nationals, where you sort of stand in in a queue for the day and getting your runs in between kind of thing. So, yeah, it, made, 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 it changed things for them and a little extra challenge in the heat for sure. Yeah, definitely an interesting one for everyone to kind of work through. Um, before we get stuck into talking about the racing side of it, Nico, it was really cool to see uh, Dylan Maples, a US rider that we mentioned last week, uh, getting the chance to take a fill-in spot at Comments on Muckoff, which I think he's got for the rest of the season. It's uh, That's a really cool opportunity for him. And uh, according to the team, he was quite blown away by it, but taking things in his stride. Yeah, he he earned it. I mean, congrats to him for for getting that spot. But how cool for, for the team to to do that. Like, they didn't need to. Um, obviously, I, I know as running a team, these races cost a lot of money and you have a lot of staff, a lot of resources, and you can save a lot of money by not going to the race. Um, but for them to stick it out and find a guy who needed the help, could do it, didn't have any contract with other sponsors that he, that he couldn't, that he couldn't jump on the team and, um, give him the full factory support is, is just awesome. It's an awesome story. It's a good use of resources and um, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I think he'll only improve at the North American ones. It is 
tough for guys starting out coming from the U.S. to go race in Europe. And it's a little bit easier on this side of the pond. So I think, um, yeah, it'll be exciting to see how that plays out. But just wanted to say congrats to him and um, here in the spot. Yeah, it's great to see. And yeah, unfortunately, that spot was created by Thibaut de Brella suffering, a, a, I think, a broken scaphoid uh, from that huge crash they had in Lunenville. So healing vibes to Thibaut. Also out with broken wrists, uh, one from last week, Charlie Harrison, our current world champion. Um, and then Oli Zouar, who went down hard in the kind of last turn out of the, the open section into the final straight um, and also broke his wrist here. So I hope all of those heal up quickly. Ollie, we seem to be seeing, it feels like, like a higher rate of attrition this year than previous years. What what are your thoughts on that? Um yeah, so number one, it's got to be down to the fact that how everyone is getting pushed, you know, like the, the, and I've said this about all the categories all year, I think, on this podcast, but how, you know, it's not just two or three that can win it now, you know, it, it, it literally is like the, the strength and depth is so much deeper, you know, when you see certain riders suddenly like that should be podiums and they're like 15th and things like this, it's, it's almost confusing, but it's just more evidence at how much the people, in that top 20 top 30 group are pushing the top five and actually what that means is sometimes those top five aren't in the top five anymore you know so I think for one is for sure how much is getting pushed and like I say that's the same in the women's same for sure in the juniors uh, both male and female um, the other reason everyone was really tired this week um, it was clear like looking at staff looking at riders everyone was tired and it's you know it's it, are they just tired because they're you know got three races on the bounce no it's more everything else that happens around that you know it's three busy busy weeks around it um and you could see it you know speaking to people, other people on track and you definitely saw there was just like an edge taken away from them so uh there was also quite a lot of illness floating around um so i think that's that's kind of definitely having a bit of an impact so yeah speed uh uh busyness uh, are probably the two probably things that are impacting it at the moment. Yeah, fair comment. Let's move on to uh, talk about the racing side of things and we'll start off as always with the junior women. Um, Aris van Leuven, who's been on a bit of a tear uh, the last few weeks, crashed hard in her final training run. I um, believe she's okay. Um, I'm assuming some concussion-based issues. She looked like she hit her head pretty hard and I think it's the second time this year she's gone home in a helicopter um, but nothing broken. Did you see that crash, Ollie? It was pretty nasty, eh? Like the, one of the steeper parts of the track and got spat hard. Yeah, I, d I didn't see it uh, like trackside or anything, but saw uh, the replay and uh, all the, the, I think it's on her Instagram or the Common Cell Instagram. And it looked massive, didn't it? I think they were, originally the medics were saying to me, because I was further up the hill when the helicopter was um, uh, getting her out. And originally I think there was some talk of... Um, uh broken femur but I, I believe not from from hearing a bit more i think don't think she's uh had injury that bad i don't know if you heard any more chris no, i saw her on wind tv and uh she's okay she's up and about just uh hit her head pretty hard okay. i think so hopefully she won't suffer too much and she'll be back because there's that overall to play for but yeah nico valentina roa sanchez taking the win uh strong colombian rider with a really aggressive style as well it's uh it's good to see her back on top form yeah, absolutely. She's a great rider. I've seen her race. Um, I raced the Pan American Championships, which is our continental champs for North and South America. 
and she was absolutely ripping when I saw her there. Um, and I know her team manager, George Gomez, he's um, been working so hard on the new transition team and it's cool to see him have some success. He's um, It's a US-based program and this is their first year and it's cool to see all the hard work starting to pay off. So yeah, huge congrats to them and I think there'll be more to come. Definitely. And we got Sasha Mills having a great ride into second place and Leibonne into third. It's cool to see the you know, we talk about the depth, but in all these categories, we're seeing different people doing well each week, podium shifting about. So it's uh, it's awesome to see. And then junior men, um, Bodie Kuhn suffered that concussion that took him out of action last week in Ludenvia. I think he was feeling better, but did some practice and the concussion symptoms started to come back. So made the right choice to, to pull out, but kind of takes him out of the overall. Um, so yeah, Nico, Ryan Pinkerton really seems to be taking control of this series now. Like it feels like he's, he's got into a pretty, uh, incredible flow and he's just taking win after win. Yeah. He, um, it just goes to show how you can, when you get that momentum rolling, how, how powerful that is. He's had a lot of speed the past two years and finally it's all starting to come together for him. Um, yeah, just super happy that. I mean, that's a great feeling when, when you can be in that state. He obviously had uh, a lot of races earlier this season where he had everything it took. It just didn't come together. Worlds was a big bummer. I know he qualified fastest um, by a few seconds and crashed on that sight lap right before finals and um, hit his head so he couldn't race, which, yeah, that's a huge bummer. So no, no better way to rebound than win the next three World Cups in a row and um, take the overall headed back to the U.S. So super happy for him. And his times are, are so good too. Like it just goes to show how well the junior racing is preparing these kids to go into elite. Um, like on the qualifying day, his time was faster than Jackson. And like him racing last year as a first year against Jackson and Jordan, I saw he got third a couple times and that level pushed him to be the rider he is now. So um, it's just awesome to see the junior competition motivating these kids and raising them up to send them into elite um, prepared and, and as really fast competitive riders. So yeah, awesome. Awesome to see Pinky doing so well. On that note, uh, Nico, the I've been thinking about this recently about the junior category because you've got quite a lot of guys in there um, guys and girls who are um, on factory level teams, you know. So Ryan, for example, he's getting the full GT support. Um, and obviously because he's winning, he'll go up into the elite ranks and then one would assume if all carries on going well, he'll carry on getting factory level support at that point. But you've got also then a lot of other riders who are getting factory level support who are, you know, even outside of the top 10, for example, in, say, Don Platt, who, insane rider, ride with him in the UK, crazy fast in Continental. Uh, Hugo Marini, again, on the Common Cell team, just to mention two, who are used to getting this factory support. But we know that the times that they're currently delivering, and obviously there's room to improve, uh, the times that they're currently delivering probably uh, won't match a factory level support in the future. And I'm wondering what your view is, is like how a rider, it doesn't mean that that rider can't progress. I mean, Benoit is a perfect example of somebody who didn't get factory level support and has progressed their way through. But all I mean is, like, as they then go into the elite ranks, they almost have to have a dip in, like, 
the program <laughs> before they go up into before they can then pro- progress hopefully back to to the sort of level of support or type of team that they're currently getting at the moment yeah that's definitely a challenge um it's on the team side it's tough because it's hard to get the funding to give support unless you have a roster of riders that you can prove will deliver results racing's always hard for that and um i think for the junior riders like it's nice when you see the teams support them in at least their first year or give them two years of elite racing to kind of find their feet and then evaluate how they're doing um so hopefully they can have the resources to to do that with some of these guys because you see riders coming almost from from nowhere and and showing and finally they find some form and and there they go like ollie davis on the union team last year Mm. was getting worse results in junior than he's getting in elite this year Uh, (laughs) so all it took was just things to go the right way like you don't know almost every rider out there is dealing with some injuries or issues or struggling mentally with something nobody's just out there just laying down their perfect run every weekend and that's the time that shows so it takes them figuring some things out to be able to deliver that run and also some stars aligning where you get a healthy run with no injuries and get to start to build some confidence so yeah you just everybody has more potential maybe than they're showing and um you you, you want to give them the shot to find that but also from the team side you can't wait forever for that so uh yeah hopefully these guys that aren't in the top 10 in junior or, or even like the top five three really can continue to get the support for their transition to elite because if they lose it as you said it's going to be so much harder for them without the support so um it's a tricky balance but uh the best will rise to the top i think so it's not too much you can do about it yeah and we've got some uh good north american talent rising to the top this week with canadian john mazel taking second and uh american evan metcalf in third so it's interesting to see how much strength there is coming from from north america on that we'll, we'll move on to the rest of the the week um but before we do that i think oh, like it's been some conversation about little peas and big peas and the way people are protected through. But Ollie, we were saying uh, in a little chat the other day with a few people that we should be giving Cade Edwards a big K that just means he automatically progresses to get onto the live broadcast. Cause what, <laughs> how insane was it watching Cade on that track? Like if anyone hasn't seen it hit up like Cade's Instagram, go and check out those clips. That guy, every time he's on a bike just breaks physics. I know I haven't seen anything like it. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a few riders to save, isn't there, where they just kind of should, especially Cade, but should earn their way to the finals um, for the excitement side of things. And I suppose that's probably, you know, part. it's an ongoing conversation of whether it's cut to 30 or 60 or in the men's and, or whatever it, you know, it ends up being. And there's reasons for for and against every single decision. Um, but yeah, we should just, just put Cade in. Maybe we have 31, 30 and Cade or something like that, just to keep things exciting. Or maybe we have a uh, a viewer wildcard entry and we get to vote based on like Vital Roar and Sleeper Collective edits on the night before and, and like one rider gets to progress to finals just because we want to see him on the live broadcast. What do you think, Nico? 
Yeah, I mean, I would say I want to see Cade, ra- Cade racing every race. I w- I love watching that guy ride a bike. He's he's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's a tricky one. I think uh, yeah, you. It, I don't even understand who's protected and not anymore. It's <laughs> it's pretty confusing. Um, it, for each cut, it's different. But uh, yeah, I think try to wait, try to find a way to keep it fair. But um, I want to see Cade riding every final. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Let's talk a little bit about some of the interesting pieces that came out qualies and semis. Um, first one from qualies Ollie is that um, Frieda Ronin and Michaela Parton got caught up in some red flag action on track, and therefore they get uh, a rerun. But I guess due to the like the length of time it takes to get to the top of the hill here, like we were talking about earlier with the slow lift, they got their reruns after the men's field had done their qualifiers, which is like, I don't know, 160, 180 riders down the hill, which completely blows out and changes the track, um, which makes it really hard. And Michaela was saying again on Win TV that basically most of her lines had disappeared off the hill after the men had been up and uh, and destroyed it in qualies, but still only a second off for Michaela from qualifying. But it's a tricky one again, isn't it? Like trying to get the logistics of this event to work to make it fair for everyone is is really hard, especially when you've got challenges like that uh, very old chairlift at the top of the hill. Yeah, and I suppose this is where all, all of the various challenges and changes, should we say, about there being three timed runs now, well, four if you include time training, um, so it is a busy schedule and obviously all of the TV and how much they're filming, you know, it's not like it's just we're filming the finals now. You know, it, most of the timed runs are on, uh, you know, somewhere or another online. So I think, you know, there's all of those kind of challenges that impact the the just the core racing, you know, like in the ideal world, we just stop racing. <laughs> if there's no fans and no people watching it, stop racing, you know, uh, let. Michaela gets back to the top of the hill again and and do her run again but in reality with the way the sport is at the moment and obviously the amount of filming that's going on um, that becomes very challenging so um, yeah there's two sides of it one is I mean from reading her post she seemed to sort of deal with it say look no I was riding well you know suck it up kind of thing and and fair play to her for that even though it's still going to hurt um uh, and yeah, and the and the other side is you know at, at, yeah it does impact people, but it's um, uh, we, you know the more this season goes on, the more these things come up. We're definitely not gonna you, you know I guess we want our cake and and eat it. Don't you know? It's like we we're asking for everything, and and sure, so we should you know, and sure, some things definitely do need tidying up. That's you know we've got new organisers, so I'm not saying we we give up, but. Um, uh, but on the same hand, sometimes it, it, it is what it is, and uh, uh, safety first. Red flag was out. Uh, she, you know, that that's what happens in our sport. Yeah, but for, yeah. Fair play to uh, Frieda and Michaela for getting that done and and dealing with some pretty adverse circumstances. And then one other thing I wanted to touch on, um, Ollie, is Jordan Williams didn't make it through from semis into finals, which from the start of the year is not something you'd expect to see. Um, it feels like he's had like, you know, pretty good pace, but just doesn't seem to have that level of intensity that we saw from him earlier in the year. Have you had the chance to speak to him at all? Or have you got any thoughts on like having seen him on the hill? Um, no, I haven't actually spoke to him uh, uh, like personally at all. He He's uh, 
You know this thing, my view though, is you know this thing where like if you're plugging away at, at racing, you're plugging away, you're working hard, you're grafting, and then you get the win and then the snowball effect on the win comes from there. He kind of, although he's been working hard at it, actually, my thoughts in my head is, was it good or bad winning that first race? You know, like there was no elite like work obviously that he's done an awful lot of work in the winter and in his junior ranks and he's shown the speed and he's obviously a great rider and he's got a brilliant ride on specialized and all of those things but he came into elite and wins the first one and and something in my mind is like was that actually beneficial you know suddenly he's treated differently i'm sure on the team suddenly monster energy a slide and a helmet on his head you know suddenly all the you know i think i even noticed like they suddenly gave him special shoe, you know, the specialized color shoes and these kits all a bit, you know, suddenly you're like, you're up on this pedestal. And, uh, and does that help a rider who's in his first year of elite? One side of it gives you confidence because you know, you can do it. The other side of it, oh God, the expectations are that I now win this every run, every time. So, um, yeah, that, that's my kind of thoughts is the sort of dilemma of like where he is in almost doing too good too soon. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. And I guess, Nico, that like we've always compared Jackson and Jordan, right? They were the two that went together in juniors and they were the two that kind of we were excited to see move up this year. And I guess Jackson, because of the spotlight he's had on him for so long, maybe he's more used to that pressure and like being in front of the media, being the one that everyone's talking about. Jordan was always maybe not an underdog, but like I think got less attention um, from the path that he followed. Like maybe maybe it's helping Jackson at this point then just to have that familiarity with the the pressure and it's a bit newer for Jordan perhaps. Yeah, I mean, he's, I agree with both of you guys. They, I think that all has to contribute to it. However, I would take that win any chance you can get it. Uh, you could uh, after you win a World <laughs> Cup, you can just retire after that. That's like the ultimate thing. Obviously, he wants more, and obviously, he wants to win as many as he can, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it's a good problem to have. And he and his team, he has the best team around him to figure stuff like that out. They're going to they're gonna sort it out. And who knows? I mean, he may have just had an issue in his run off, off camera or, or some reason why. It might not. I, I doubt it was just that he didn't have the pace to qualify. So it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. Yeah, definitely. Look forward to uh, trying to find him at some point and have a bit of a chat about that kind of stuff because it's definitely been an interesting season for him. Um, Ollie, does track degradation slow a little bit after the qualifying session? We cut out, like, certainly from the men's side, like a substantial amount of riders. There's a lot less people on the hill, so the logistics with the lift got easier. But is track degradation then starting to slow down and lines settling a bit more? Uh, good question. I, 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 You would assume so, wouldn't you? But I think by this point, it's getting so cut up that it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Um, and that last bit, you know, as you go through to finals, you really notice the uh, the changes, both trackside and the sort of conversations off off the bike of like um, uh, what people are saying about setup and things like that. You know, some riders can get all the way through to like just before finals and then they're, they're sort of saying they want these bike changes. And I know the mechanics are kind of thinking, we've we've had six and a half six and a half hours of practice you know like and now you want me to change this thing so um <laughs> so there's there's definitely uh definitely still the change goes on um all the way leading up to finals and and actually it was this week i the way i work with riders in the last kind of hour of practice before sort of semis and finals i i generally don't tend to sort of 
offer new lines, if you know what I mean, or alter, alternate lines. But this was the first time in as long as I can remember where I was sort of happily still saying, oh, maybe it's worth changing to this outside because of how badly it had cut up on the inside where the riders have been going all week long and done their sort of 10 or more practice runs on that line. And and I was generally starting to think it was worth changing. So, yeah, a track of uh, changing lines, uh, it was for sure. Yeah, and a really, like we always talk about the gap between semis and finals being quite tight for riders, but I guess exacerbated here by the length of time it takes to the top of the hill. Like no real room to, to do a huge amount between the two. I guess riders were pretty much down and then queuing again to get back up. Eh? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the, didn't have much time to... Uh, to try all of the lines necessarily or or if they did it was you know if you're getting two runs in a practice session you've tried the inside you've tried the outside haven't you like uh so it's kind of done so yeah yeah definitely a restriction in in terms of that um you know I've always said attitude beats lines anyway so actually you know and it's probably part of the reason sometimes I say I'm I'm more averse to maybe moving lines if you know you can still hit your line uh, with full commitment um but if you know because of the changing track or because the track changing that much uh, maybe you now can't hit your original line with full commitment so that's where it becomes worthy of of moving to uh to an alternative line yeah cool well let's move on to the the race and we'll start with the elite women and uh nico fellow countryman countrywoman anna newkirk i think that's her best result ever in sixth on that uh awesome like contra downhill bike it's been like steadily chipping away at Anna this season working her way up she's been a pretty consistent top 10 rider and now getting close to the podium yeah it's awesome to see that um she's she's like we said for a lot of riders when you have that steady progression it's so motivating to be improving every week and now I think she can she can really smell the podium it's closer than ever and uh I'm, I'm sure that's such a cool feeling going into some races in North America at the end of the year. She does live in Switzerland now with her family, but she's um, she's she's from the U.S., so it'll be a ton of people screaming for her at Snowshoe. And, um, yeah, it's awesome to see her and, and the Contra bike doing so well. Hopefully, uh, yeah, she can carry that confidence into the rest of the season. Yeah, it'd be good to see. And Ollie in fifth place, taking, I believe, her first podium. An enduro rider who raced downhill a little bit earlier in the season as well, Gloria Scarzi. Um, really cool, like making very fast progress and getting to grips with downhill really quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was absolutely awesome watching her run back. I actually watched it again this morning because obviously, when like when you're at the race, it's quite difficult to see everything and see the detail. Yeah, watching her run back this morning, it was brilliant. Like uh, she looked, she didn't look like an enduro rider on a downhill bike. It didn't look like an enduro rider on a downhill track. You know, she uh, looked like a downhiller on a downhill track. And um, yeah, is she is she one of a few people that are coming to have a look at this? You know, coming to have a look at the the other side. Yeah, going to be interesting to see if uh, she tackles some more downhill racing. There's definitely some some skills there. It'd be good to see how she progresses. And then Nico, we've been talking about Millie Onset a little bit in the last couple of episodes, I think. Again, someone who's been like on a strong build back this year. I believe that's her career best finish in, in fourth place. She's looked really good on track for the last couple of rounds for sure. So yeah, great result for Millie. And again, good to see if she can continue that trajectory and chip away at the higher places. Yeah, for sure. She's one of a few riders that's been building through this three-race block that we've had. 
Um, you can see which riders are kind of gaining momentum through it, and and some have definitely struggled or derailed over over these tight back-to-back block of racing. So, yeah, awesome to see. Like even for Mandora, she had qualified well. She was looking really good, and um, finally, yeah, getting her career best has got to be great feeling. And um, yeah, we still have a couple races to go, so could even improve again. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Ollie, Nina Hoffman, I think uh, she said she emptied the tank on that run. She, I think, was suffering with some of the sickness that was floating around the pits and certainly um, got to the syndicate team. But, you know, a good result keeps the overall alive, especially with what happened to Valley. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, and, you know, you have to say, considering even <laughs> even sort of removing the sickness sort of situation, like, uh, the run that she delivered on was really solid. When I was watching it, I was kind of like, I was like, why, where is she losing the time? Do you know what I mean? It's, it still still looked like a really good run, but it just must have been that general track speed that she was at, you know, with not feeling it, maybe just not quite the energy that she could have delivered and normally delivers on, um, just costing her today. Yeah, I think faded towards the bottom a little bit. I think her splits were first, second, second, third, so maybe just that yeah the, the general fatigue kind of creeping up on her and then second place uh nico monica harasnik incredibly like talented technical rider i would say um but again someone who's struggled a bit of late maybe it's not been the the start of the season that she would have hoped for i'm sure but again i'm pretty sure that's a career best in second so awesome to see and she looked great through some of those middle sections of the track especially yeah as you said such a good technical rider and this there's a lot of sections on this track that had her name all over it. So I, I good to see her up there. I'd say everybody on the podium this weekend in the women's category must've been so stoked, maybe except for Nina, who probably wanted to be fighting for the win if, if uh, Valley wasn't. So, um, but yeah, awesome, awesome ride by Monica and yeah, congrats to her. She earned it to echo Nico's of um, uh, thoughts there on Monica but just relate to seeing her in practice obviously because I'm trackside all the time I'm seeing all of this detail and um, uh, I, I've never seen her ride as good as this weekend like like she looked the pace and the commitment uh, she she joined you know, I've spoken about the sort of commitment and pace of, um, of Nina and Valley I think in previous uh, podcasts and um, she joined that crew uh, this weekend it was it was awesome to see and you could you, it's so funny you can tell she was going to do well like from the first well, maybe the second or third practice run of the weekend so um yeah massive congrats to monica on that yeah very impressive and ollie valley hole it wasn't to be um those top corners were getting pretty beaten up i think and i think just went a little wide and maybe the second one and clipped the pad and front wheel washed and went down pretty hard actually like she landed on her head uh pretty hard but she seemed again on on wind tv she seemed really chipper about it she didn't she was like well i haven't crashed for ages it's gonna happen at some point and you know i guess you know she retains the overall but she it was cool to see her seemingly quite relaxed about the whole thing and not not getting too stressed about it yeah but, but yeah, she was obviously unlucky in that first turn how it kind of happened um I, I think if you if you want to watch how that first turn should be ridden um it's got to be uh loris vergier you know it's probably the one who went out the gate them with with 
uh, who was the most clever almost in that turn. You know, you, naturally it's the first two turns of the track and you want to start well and, you know, the adrenaline's kind of spiking and, you know, the nerves and all the rest of this. So it's, you know, it's hard to like ride the first few turns with maximum composure. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, I think it was more unluck than anything else with Valley, but definitely a situation of like actually get through those first two turns, have to do it with speed because you've got such a long straight after it. Um but you've got to get through them with composure without sliding. So it's the balance was very fine in that in that turn. Unlucky for Valley. Um but she's doing all right this year, so uh one crash can't hurt at this point. Definitely. And Nico, we need to talk about Marine Cabaru, uh, a rider that has been on a really, really clear, strong build throughout the season, not not waded in too hard too soon, seems to have judged that really well. Um and the perfect place to take her first victory on this on this comeback doing it in front of the French crowd and especially the Leger French crowd. That was an incredible, incredible ride for Marine. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> it's been a while for her. I know the past couple of years have been tough with injuries and it seems like every week we were saying like, oh, she's back on the podium. She's got to be happy with that, gaining some consistency. And then after a few third places, it was like, okay, she must be ready for the next step now. And what better place to do that than in Leger in front of that crowd take the win um that must have felt so good so yeah congrats to her congrats to the Scott downhill factory team um they they earned that one and um yeah hopefully now with uh, a lot of strong riders in the in the front end of the women's field we see these last two races provide even more good competitive racing yeah, definitely. And it was cool to see Cami Blanche uh, there spectating, hanging around the pits, uh, seemingly, you know, in a in a good place and, and starting to recover from that horrible crash that she had in Indora. So, yeah, great that she's up and about. Um, let's move on to the men's racing. And Ollie, first off, it was a real shame that, that Laurie Greenland had to pull out of that. I think the syndicate were maybe one of the teams that got hit worse from whatever was floating around this week. It took a few of them out and I think like some very sleepless nights, a lot of uh, low energy, especially for Laurie to the point where he had to make that very hard decision to to pull out. Yeah, Laurie was actually at the Athlete Performance Centre in Austria in the, the between Ludenville and Leger, um, getting all sort of needles in him and checks and blood tests and all this sort of stuff because of this ongoing kind of health issue he's got um, and uh, obviously managed to deal with it quite well in in um, Ludenville but when he got to Leger picked up a, something completely separate but some sort of bug he was throwing up all night after first day of practice and I have to say I saw him you know when you know a rider well I saw him riding on his first run down and I was like ah uh, yeah this this could be a good weekend for him you know so um, but uh, yeah that evening he was literally didn't sleep a wink um throwing up all night tried to come out in quali and he said his quali run was uh, i think it was no short of a miracle i think was the term he put, put by laying down i think the, just outside the top 20 result um but it got to the point for him uh where it was dangerous like he said he had a bit of a near miss and he said he couldn't concentrate both from this ongoing fatigue and then this this whatever bug he's got at the moment. So um, I think he made a wise choice. It's very difficult for a rider, you know, to make a choice like that because it seems like the most important thing in the world. But I was like, you know, come tomorrow, it'll mean nothing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so better to better to walk away. You know, it's a very, I've said this, I think, last week, but 
athletes are also humans and humans get ill so um it's okay to it's okay to if it, I, I was kind of thinking if he had if he had an office job obviously he'd, he'd probably go in and be able to just get on with the job and maybe not do the the important tasks that day but chip away but you know it, it's quite an important and risky thing to do is ride down Leger at the speed that the likes of Benoit is riding down it so um uh yeah so for him wise choice walked away get healthy and come back strong yeah good stuff heal up quick all right let's look at some standout performances outside of the top five um Ollie Arida, you know well Joe Breeden it was good to see him into the final this weekend he's had a tough few years with injuries and, and various ups and downs 24th in the end and fourth in the final sector which is cool so it feels like Joe's uh, starting to find his way back yeah massive respect to Joe uh, he still came through his finals runs disappointment uh, uh, disappointed sorry uh, on the finals run because he did make one little mistake um but then I think I haven't spoken to him properly, but I think after a couple of days, he settled into knowing that look, that's his best result this year, you know, re-shown that he can deliver on that speed of the top 30 group and uh, shows he belongs in there. So, um, yeah, he's, he was riding really well. For him, it's about the intensity, you know, it's just like he's such a good rider, but it's just delivering on that like absolutely flat out speed that that top 20 and top 30 group do now. So, um, yeah, great to see him in there. Yeah, definitely. And uh, a name that was, you know, new to me this weekend, but Nico, you might know from the Pan American champs, perhaps Juan Munoz in 13th, the Colombian rider that's on the up and took some money from uh, the Win Privateer Awards that was supported by Miss Spent Summers and Satellite Coffee Morzine through some coffee donations uh, from a load of people this week. So it was cool to see him getting a good result and getting some support from from that. Yeah, absolutely. He's been steadily climbing the ladder too. I saw him in a lot of semifinals and then, yeah, got through well into the final this week and sat on the hot seat with Luca and uh, a couple other guys for a long time. So that that must have been a cool feeling. Um, I know Ivan Jimenez takes care of a lot of those Colombian guys and um, he's got two like I think first or second year elite riders um, in Juan and Sebastian that are doing really well this year. And it's awesome to see guys that maybe aren't as familiar faces on the World Cup. They don't come from um, a huge pedigree of, of racing like some of the guys in France or UK and can be racing with the best of them. So, yeah, that's a really big achievement and huge congrats to, to Juan. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, another couple of riders that have been on the up this year and, and getting into good spots. Ollie Davis looked awesome on track again all week, takes 15th in the final. Uh, and Ollie Thomas Estac, I think, was the was the man that pulled that impressive step-down gap in the woods and walks away with 10th, which I think is his best result since Leger 2019. So good to see, again, another rider that's had some some injuries but working his way back up and he's in the leagues of some of those, you know, Cade Edwards-esque riders to watch creative and uh, always one to find an exciting way to get through a section. Yeah, it's like you say, if you're not going to win, look cool, I guess is probably what you're saying there, isn't it, uh, Chris? <laughs> like he, uh, he, he in uh, I think it was in his semi-finals run, he slid on the turn before. I think it was a stack because he came down just after Matteo or just before. But, um, but anyway, he slid on the turn before. Uh, oh, sorry, two turns before this right-hander. And then he was like clipping back in as he went down the next straight. And I knew he'd, he was one of the only people doing this gap. 
and he's clipping back in, like sort of re re sort himself out. And he still comes around the left hander. Uh, this was in semis and and pulls the gap. And it was just like, yeah, you're you know you didn't think, oh, I've nearly gone down here. Let's just look after it now. He's still just like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, in fact, it would have. Yes, it was a stack. Uh, uh, and yeah, he just no problem. Still clipped back in. Came around this horrible left hander where you had a, I will call it a bike length before then pulling for the gap and uh yeah he just pulled it totally chill so respect to him i think somebody t- messed a couple of people messaged me online said it was it faster and i was like don't care <laughs> it was my response <laughs> it, it looked good yeah fair um let's move into yeah. the top 10 um nico luca and troy both had some ups and downs this season uh saw luca after he was pretty happy with that uh eighth place and troy in sixth they both they both seemed pretty happy and excited to move on and take that like progression into the final couple of rounds so in a strong position to see some results from from those two i think yeah there's such consistent riders too so um i know lucas said that he he was struggling a little bit this week had a crash and was pretty proud of of getting up there even um yeah con- just considering the circumstances putting down a good run when it counted and um yeah they're they're doing well in the overall so good to see that I know Luca's. I think he's top. I think he's eighth or ninth in the overall now. So um, that's got to feel good for him coming into these last two tracks. And yeah, they they both looked awesome on on TV. So congrats to both of them. Yeah, good work. And talking about consistency, uh, Greg Minar seems to have found his way back towards a more consistent performance that we'd expect to see from him. Seventh place on the day. Definitely had some uh, some speed on the track all week. Ollie, lots of talk about this being Greg's last season. Have you have you kind of heard that being chatted about? I, even his Win TV interview, it sort of sounded like this could be the last the last one for Greg. Yeah, there's loads of talk about that, isn't there? But um, most most of the time, when I ask people whether it be Laurie or PT or you know someone connected to the team, that their reply is they don't even think Greg knows whether it's his uh, last season at this point. So. Um, you know, naturally for Greg, it's got to be, not got to be, it is a massive decision, isn't it? Like, you know, it's, he can still deliver on top 10 results. So if you can deliver on top 10 results and you're enjoying it and someone's happy to pay you for the pleasure, like, why would you stop, you know? And like, because I'm sure there was a point maybe five years ago where he was knocked out the top 10 as well, you know, without looking at this, the data there, there will have been a point where he's out of maybe the top 10 for a period of time. And I'm sure even then he sort of started thinking, you know, is this the point? So, um, uh, yeah, like it must be a really difficult decision. Surely, yes, it's on his mind. Yes, it's, it's got to be on the team's mind of what they're going to do. Um, but, you know, he's he's uh, well, the goat, isn't it? So we'll just let him do whatever he wants and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Go on, Nico. I wonder if um, Aaron having a little bit of trouble lately is a consideration because Aaron has 20 World Cup wins, Greg has 22. And I know that's something maybe Greg doesn't admit admit it as much as it means to him, but he wants to have that overall title. And um, I've I've kind of heard rumblings of, of Aaron, maybe this is his last year. I know he was hoping to go out with a successful season and finish up this year i don't know if that's still the plan after injuring himself and missing all the races um i'm sure he'd like to finish on a higher note than this but i wonder if that's contributing also to greg maybe willing to call it call it quits 
<laughs> interesting interesting yeah i'd like to see Gwyn get another good season under his belt but i'd also like to see him in the commentary booth because he uh he absolutely smashed it last week in uh Lunaville. so whichever way it goes it'll be it'll be good for the sport i think um nika let's talk about loic uh wasn't quite on pace really this week i think he admitted as such himself like through the sessions he kind of wasn't where you'd normally expect him to be but still looked incredible out on the track um, so actually made a pretty solid improvement. I think he was relatively happy with that fifth place and, and good points for his overall. Yeah, I, I saw he mentioned that the track was hard to push on for him. So um, I think, yeah, it's, that this is what it takes to to wear the leader's jersey and, and win the overall is to be there on days when you don't feel like you have the best pace. And uh yeah, he put his best run together, which was good enough for a podium and good enough to score some enough points to keep him in the lead. So I think, yeah, job done for him. For sure, not the, as well as he wanted to do um, coming in probably, but all things considered, great result. And man, look, always looks just so, so good on the bike, so strong. So awesome to see. Yeah, and a great reaction from the crowd, the French French really behind him. Um, let's talk about the king of the bounce back, Jackson Goldston, Ollie. Like this guy seems to be able to go from the hospital to the racetrack and it doesn't seem to phase him. And and that, like, I don't know, grit somehow got him through this week. He was again suffering like similar to Laurie to some extent and with a sleepless night before qualifying. And I don't think he'd done a full run like on that day leading up to that quali run so he was stoked to to kind of get through where he did but then to to somehow i guess get the better side of it and manage to recover enough to take fourth place uh in the race it helps him close the gap a little bit on loic in the overall and he really built down the track as well like maybe not the fastest out the gate this week but he won split three and four like relatively convincingly yeah i I mean king of the bounce back and king of the bouncy rider isn't he like it's uh (laughs) It's awesome to watch uh, somebody riding in that way, and 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 to be fair, like all the riders that ride in that kind of approach of kind of hopping their way down the hill, of which obviously Jackson's the extreme version of that. Um, it's so efficient, and it doesn't it doesn't look difficult. It doesn't look tiring, you know. Uh, it, and and yeah, absolute respect for Jackson for riding in that way. Um, yeah, yeah. So middle two splits were the best, and the bottom two not so good. Actually, he had, actually his bottom split was actually still good. Like, and and the, he has this thing where because he's so light, I, th- I don't know if he's just over sixty kilos now or under, but you, he's not. You know, I can assume I can assume somebody like Andy Kolb or Benoit, you know, more like the 80 kilo mark than the 60 kilo mark. So on these like long straights, he's he's not carrying as much speed as them. And that probably shows from that sector one, you know, he's 17th at sector one, which, um, you know, arguably is like, how do you claw back from that? Um, uh, But yeah, you claw back from that by being that good, that bouncy, that efficient, you know, hit your mark so well all the way through the middle. uh, And that's what he that's what he did. Um, I think it's worth noting as well. So he was fourth and 0.4 off the win. Bruni uh, fifth, 0.6 off the win. Um, they basically rode down the track at the same time this week. You know, the, I know you could say 0.6, but you can't count 0.6. You know, you probably couldn't even really quite see it. Um, and I think we're forgetting as we're transitioning to a sport that is more starting to talk about skiing time differences than what we've known in the past of mountain bike time differences. Um, I think we're not, we're, we're sort of set, it sounds like 0.6 is a lot or, or in Jackson's case, 0.4 is a lot. Uh, 
but it's nothing is it you know like you have to really know it's it's absolutely nothing and um yeah I, that comment is more just made about how awesome it is for our sport that the top five are you know all separated by that short uh such a short amount of time yes yeah, super super close and uh nico loris takes good points for the overall looked incredibly fast like i didn't see anyone catapult their way out of that like new unwooded section near the bottom faster anyways it was incredible to watch um that's that win this year still kind of eluding him but the, again consistent and uh and chipping away at the overall always great to watch yeah loris is amazing to watch ride a bike he's um he's so fluid and he makes it look so easy but probably like the quietest guy to be on the podium so many times this year um quietest third place he uh he, yeah i mean nobody would be surprised when loris wins um the other day we i think when we were at fort william martin mentioned to me like that there was only seven or five riders to win more than seven races can you name them all and i like i named all the rest but i I just couldn't think of Loris. Like I was like, has he won more than five World Cups? And uh, he just like, I, of course you you expect from his skill, but it's something that um, yeah, I kind of just did it all so quickly and and went about it so quietly that like, oh yeah, he has. He's one of like the five best riders. Um, but yeah, awesome to see, and he needs to get that first win this year though. I know that's his goal. When you when you're on his level, it's like that's a sense of uh, achievement for a good season is to get the win, and I know that's what he's after. So hopefully he can get that later this year. Yeah, he's he's uh, uh, like you say, sort of the silent assassin. You could call him, but he's quietly just doing it. And I have to just mention though, like he came into that bottom, and Chris, you already mentioned about how quick he came out to, out of the bottom woods, effectively into the last sector, and he came out. At one and a half seconds back at that point and um if you look there was a line uh obviously it's, it's all down to that left hand i called it the shroud turn because of like sleeper and those guys were getting some great edits but he came out of that and the, sorry the turn before that he was one of only a few um to go round the stump so he could set up wider for that left and come into it and um and when you look after after the event and we watch Loris doing that and you see that he's so fast on that sector, it's obvious that that's the case. But I have to, I'll even admit myself on track side, you know, as I was seeing people go off the um, off the stump and then they were kind of hitting the shroud turn, trying not to shroud it, but gapping out of it into the sort of that landing or to call it the running before the takeoff of the jump, Reese's jump out of the woods. Um, yeah. Even even I, I would say, yeah, I admit it, I didn't really push people around that stump. I mentioned it, but when you watch back, it's obvious. You know, it's so obvious that that's it. And it's it's old school and in, in approach. Uh, and uh, it's just basically 101 downhill, like when you've got a straight, I don't know how long that straight was, but it's probably a kilometre, I reckon, to the finish. Uh, when you've got a straight that long, the turn before it becomes like, the most crucial turn and it demonstrated there you know Loris could have quite easily been back in about sixth place uh based on those se- those sectors sixth or seventh and uh he sneaked his way into third just on one turn yeah absolutely nailed it good spot ollie fair play um andy cole nico i spoke to him afterwards and he said a lot of people were starting to compare him to Thibaut de Prella after that loose run it was definitely looser than we've seen andy uh, a lot this week but cool to take you know he had quite a big um 
issue in semis. Like he, he managed to save it, but really cool to be able to get past that and bring that intensity to a race run. And he, he nearly had it, huh? Yeah, he was so close, as we said, between all these guys. Um, he looks so strong on the bike. He always does. I'm sure it felt really good to be up there, but being that close to the win, um, there's not that many chances you have to be in touch that closely and uh you don't want to let those slip away so i'm sure it stung a little bit but uh nonetheless awesome result for him um their whole team is just absolutely crushing it this year like so good to see um i thought charlie hatton being in the booth did really well like he didn't he obviously didn't talk as much as aaron did the week before but I really liked his insight. Like some of the things that he said were just, yeah, gave so much information to people watching and and were delivered so well. So I really appreciated hearing what he had to say. And um, yeah, congrats to the Atherton team. They're, they're absolutely on fire this year. Yeah, it's impressive for sure. All right, Ollie, let's talk about the man of the moment, Benoit Coulange. It's been a while coming. Uh, this is another Martin Whiteley stat. He is the third oldest man to take his maiden victory. I think he's 28 or 29. Only The only people to do it older were Sean Palmer and Corrado Herrin. So we are going quite a long way back for uh, some of those names. He did the 1-1-1 this weekend. He won every, uh, every session that counts. He's a man that has been chipping away at this for years. And again, you know, he's, I think he rents an apartment down in Morsey and he spends a huge amount of time in the area training and working hard and focusing on the one thing that he cares about. And finally, it's come together and it's come together in such an incredible way. Eh? It really has. Yeah, I, I think obviously probably all the French wanted him to win this weekend, but sh- surely even Kolb must have had a little bit in him wanting to BC to take one. <laughs> um, it was it was awesome to see him take the win. His run um, was insane, but it's a run that, to be fair, he did the week before short of the crash and probably a run that we've seen him do before short of some crashes. So uh, we know it's been in him. Um, as you've already said, you know, it's it's just, a, it's, it's, it's pu- it's hard work and smart hard work that's got him to where he is. And as he admitted, you know, he he was was it ten years ago he was there as a privateer, and now he's there with the same team. From what I'm, I was hearing, and I didn't notice that uh, maybe rudely that it, that it was it is the same team. Uh, and now he's uh, taken that himself and that team all the way to the top step. So. Um, Awesome to see. And actually, awesome. I've noticed, in terms of how he rides, I've noticed maybe they're subtle, but I don't know. I, I, for me, when I was looking back this weekend, some quite uh, big differences in terms of how his technique on the bike, where he stands on the bike. Um, I've noticed that changing, in my view, improving over the past even sort of three or four years. Um, so showing that, you know, just because he's in his late 20s, uh, just because he's at that point three or four years ago was already in, you know, now in the top group, um, doesn't mean he gave up on trying to improve on how he actually got down this hill, kind of thing. And and I think that's the biggest difference with those guys, you know, in the top group is they're they're open to it, they're up for it, don't care how old they are, they're they want to try and figure out a better way to do it. And uh, Benoit is, demonstrates that to perfection. 
Yeah, incredible work. Very happy for that man. And Nico, potentially the tightest, if not one of the tightest podium splits ever at 0.6 across the podium. But still, Benoit's time is 2.615 off the fastest theoretical time if you added up everyone's best splits. It's kind of interesting to see that there's, you know, technically there's still time on the hill. So they're within 0.6, but everyone's doing it in a very different way. It's it's kind of cool, eh? It's super cool. Um yeah, as Ollie said, it's getting to be like ski racing times, but the difference is that we have obstacles, not just uh, a flat surface. So it's even more impressive that the times are that close. It shows the level that the sport has has gotten to. And um, it's just cool to see like there's so many different body types, bike setups, um, approaches to the race. And putting your best run together can mean getting the time in different areas so in the end it only matters like uh, a second is a second no matter where you take it and people's strategies of where they're gonna maybe give something up and gain in another area are all different and that's what makes the sport so cool and so exciting and um, so fun for us to watch so yeah I'm sure there'll be even more going further in this direction in the future yeah, it was some incredible scenes at the finish as well. Max comments, I look particularly stoked as the camera cut to him, like pumping his fist as, as Belmont was coming down that final straight. We know Max likes to party and it, it was some after party for sure. Ollie, were you involved in any of that chaos uh, down at the finish line? It was uh, it felt almost a bit in- intimidating. We were on the side of the hill and having thousands of people charging down. I mean, luckily, I don't think anyone really got hurt, but I think a couple of the... The video guys got a bit trampled in the finish as their barriers got knocked. Like it's it's incredible, but it's it felt almost a little bit dangerous at points. It does feel a little bit dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, I actually uh, ducked out just before uh, they, well, as they were starting to run, just to uh, get back to the pits because we were on a bit of a quick turnaround for getting out of there. But um, the uh, last year, I was there with my stepson, who's twelve, and and as everyone started running, I thought, "Mm, is this is this safe for somebody of this age? You know, so. but who cares about safety? Bring it on! That the atmosphere (laughs) that the French do in Leger is amazing i love the fact there's like three policemen or something trying to protect i don't know if they're trying to protect benoit or what because he wanted to be in there but whatever they were trying to do it was like three policemen ain't going to cut it here you know you need the full riot brigade or whatever it is to to hold those frenchies off um so yeah cool like so cool uh you know, obviously football being such a big sport globally but you can relate the way the uh uh, the fans were in terms of like the energy and stuff like that uh, and the amount of them um, uh, to football because it was just insane. Uh, you couldn't write a better story for winning your first World Cup. Like last weekend, winning the first two and then just missing in the final and then being in Leger, like the biggest crowd in your home country. And yeah, you wouldn't want to win and just everybody stand around and clap. Like that's the reaction you want if you ever won a World Cup. It almost reminds me back to Gwyn winning in Wyndham when everybody ran through the finish, but just three times as big of a crowd and so much passion and energy there. So that's what Benoit deserves. Like this is the couldn't be a more perfect way to win your first race. Yeah, incredible. Watching him like crowd surfing 
just loving it and and the crowd being so keen for it was amazing i was interested in like how um warner brothers discovery would like view that and i spoke to one of the team uh, involved over the weekend um who said that quite a lot of the really senior team from warner brothers had come to that event they wanted to come and see uh, the racing and they were absolutely loving it apparently they were really like blown away by the enthusiasm the scenes on the hill the support of the fans the quality of the racing so yeah it's cool to see like i think the head of sport for warner brothers discovery was there and was absolutely loving it so it's good that they're like getting to see downhill at its best because i think that was one of the best weekends of racing all round that we've had for a while um and also yeah six different winners this year or seven different winners i think if we include uh world champs ollie it's it's mad isn't it like you always say oh there's you know there's only a few riders that can win but it's not the case is it it's definitely not the case yeah yeah it's um totally shared this year and it just makes it even more exciting doesn't it you know we all have the conversations who's going to win it this year who's going to win which round and all the rest of it and um uh, pretty much can't guess anymore can you you know there's there's a few people who are maybe in form at certain times of the year but um yes literally you can't guess even like you say people like troy back in the mix again you know only a second what was he 1.1 back you know and uh greg's still there you know luca showing some form again these guys even outside of the top five that we've been mentioning um you know finn in ninth you know like you know he started the season looking like he was going to just sweep up kind of thing so um yeah any anyone uh can win it now in that top group and that just uh it's even better for the sport. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, let's talk about how we sit in the overalls then. So Valentina Roa Sanchez into the lead in junior women's over Lisa Bouladou and Arise Van Leuven. So a bit of a shake up there. Uh, Ryan Pinkerton taking a, a stronger position in the lead of that uh, junior men's overall with Bodie in second, having obviously sat out kind of two rounds now and uh, Leo Bella in third. Uh, Valley Hole still has a pretty good stronghold on the elite women's, but Nina's closed 20 points on Valley uh, this weekend. So, you know, I guess the best she could hope for considering what she was dealt. Um, and also, you know, a good weekend for Jackson after coming through that, that sickness bug. He closed 30 points on Loic, so there's now less than 60 points in it. Finn drops to fourth behind Loris and Benoit up into fifth. So it's cool to see the overalls, like, in, certainly in some categories anyway, changing pretty regularly so it's keeping the battle alive i'm excited to see how that goes as we head into this last two races in in north america um but before we sign off you boys know what's coming we're going to do lit kit um nico we'll start with you was there a standout winner for you this weekend oh man i didn't think of this ahead of time um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i really i really always love the syndicate kits this year um I think they're almost like a tie-dye style or like whatever the print was that they had on them and them all kind of being uniform but unique for each rider. Each weekend is so cool. I don't love the big name on their leg. I wouldn't <laughs> really want my name on, on the leg of the pant that big, but um, those guys always look so darn good. So, yeah, I, I love the Syndicate kids. All right. Yeah, it was a super strong effort from them. Ollie, where, where's your money going? It looks like you should have come to me first for, uh, this week, Chris. The uh, uh, My money's going on the kit that seemed like it had a beacon of light around it as he went down the hill, and that is Benoit. Um, he deserves every 
uh, piece of credit that can be thrown at him. So uh, I'm adding it to the kit. They've got gold writing on the purple uh, TLD kit. And um, at the beginning of the season, I was like, yeah, kind of cool, kind of cool. But suddenly gold writing on your kit when you're winning the race is really cool. So um, <laughs> yeah, for sure heading his way for me. Yeah, fair comment. And uh, yeah, I, I was struggling to choose this week. I think Nina Hoffman's watermelon-inspired uh, kit looked really cool. I think Laurie's like kind of minty, fresh kit looked really, really crisp on the hill. Um, but yeah, I think Finn, I, it was kind of simple, like this like almost navy blue with like a, almost the Aperol spritz fade through the Specialized logos. It just looked really strong. I think the light helped. Like it was a bright weekend. There was a lot of light for the photography. And for me, that kit just uh, just looked great. So yeah, it's good. We've all picked someone slightly different. So that's nice. Um, and I'm going to give save <laughs> of the week to uh, Theo Elangson for that. Like it looked like he was almost planning to do the gap that Estac was doing and then didn't pull for it. Like, I don't know how he rode that out, Ollie. It looked pretty sketchy, but he nearly went out the front door. It did, didn't it? I asked him if he'd, if he'd planned it, and he said no. He just came around there with a little bit more speed and uh, and obviously sort of went a little bit too long and then got that kind of buck. Um, so yeah, I'm sure he was pretty happy to get away with that. Yeah, definitely. And Nico, we're heading out to North America now. Um, in two weeks, we get the racing underway at Snowshoe and then into Mont St. Anne. Um, I believe you're going to be back racing, but before that, it's uh, US Open, right? I think, and I'm guessing we're going to see a pretty good turnout of some of the elite field to to support that as everyone's heading to North America. Yep, we have um, th- for for me anyway. It'll be three weeks in a row: the US Open in two weeks, and then Snowshoe the following weekend, followed by Mount Saint Anne. Um, I think, yeah, we'll expect a lot of the at least North American riders to be supporting the U S open. Um, I'm sure the syndicate will be there cause it's a, it's a Fox sponsored event. And then, um, like the guys from GT should be there. Um, plus, uh, I think Dakota won last year and will be back there to defend his title. So, um, yeah, that should be an awesome event for me, a really good f- race before going into those first two world cups. Um, Finally, I've been starting to feel a lot better on the bike. Of course, I'd love to have more time to to really build my strength back coming back from this injury. It always takes longer than you think. But if I wait any longer, I won't do any races this year. So I'm going to be giving it my, my all at these last three, and I'm really looking forward to being back for them. And, um, yeah, the I'm sure the, the, three racing will, the three races will provide awesome racing a lot different tracks to what we see in Europe. So maybe some, some shakeups and maybe even a, a, another winner. Can we keep the, the streak going of a, a new winner at each round? There are some really good guys who haven't won one this year. And, um, yeah, it's got Dakota and Luca to try to do what Benoit did and win on home soil and in, um, in snowshoe, which will be amazing. So looking forward yeah. to it. Definitely. And you mentioned Dakota and that's someone actually we should have talked about. I always miss someone out in this because there's so many good things happening. But yeah, Dakota was on form. I think he was second in quali, second in semis, was on pace. Um, Looked like a pretty nasty crash, Ollie. Like, I don't know if he slid and then hit the pad or whether he hit the pad and that threw him off. But yeah, it was a fair, fairly big roll in the dust for, for Dakota. But then he came down and styled it out and and, di- and provided some good TV as a result, but a rider that again feels like he's on the cusp of of taking a win at some point soon, and maybe North America is the place to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he, he his front wheel slid and that caused him to hit the pad. Uh, so it's really unlucky for him. But um, uh, And it looked quite a big crash, although he obviously rode away fine. But uh, he you, just to see him in practice was awesome. Like, he was just happily sliding the bike and it just... It, wouldn't bother him, you know, like he was getting playful. He would try, he's always playful in terms of his line choice and creativity with it. But um, yeah, he was like pushing the limit, letting it slide and then um, and then trying something else. So cool to see. And I really like his um, his general uh, perspective or outlook on racing is is great. Uh, he's not one of the younger younger guys, you know, he's, he's, he's lived a little, if you know what I mean, and he just has a good outlook on it. So yeah. Um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if we see him. Well, we'll definitely see him up there again, but wouldn't be surprised if we see him winning one of these things. He, he just needed to rise the bar <laughs> a little bit more and he would have missed the, the path. <laughs> they Fair ran out play. of spaces. I, yeah, I spoke to him uh, on one of the mornings of the week, actually. He's been through quite a lot of process looking at like changing uh, offsets and trail and all kinds of things to get like a better feel on the bike so it's he's definitely been putting the graph behind the scenes to get himself comfortable but yeah a unique riding position i think amongst the field so yeah a little bit more bar height and uh would be able to avoid the apex pads which a few people uh hit pretty hard this week but yeah we'll see how it goes well thank you guys appreciate it. it's always fun chatting uh it was an incredible race for tv and for being on the hill and yeah i'm super excited to see how we get on uh for the final two rounds of what has so far been an amazing season. So thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys. See ya. All right, that's it for this Maxxis Tires post-race show with Nico and Ollie. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Maxxis for supporting this season. Maxxis have got incredible tires for you no matter how or where you ride. So head over to maxxis.com or visit your local Maxxis dealer and check them out. Here are a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you never miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like copies of our lovely print project Downtime EP. If you want to help support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 